You are now listening to a Fit Plus Love production. I, I, I like to enter any category that I feel like we can make impact. To be honest, this one was screaming out for help. There was too much pseudoscience. Like I, I always ask people uh, this one question. When you read or when you hear science-based, you know, what does it mean? Because when I, when I see that on some of these claims of science-based nutrition and things like that, science and based independently, those two words make sense, but you put them together, I don't know what that means. Um, so, you know, we, we, we always say what we do has to be science fact, not science fiction. So we looked at this space, we looked at people's need for something and a brand that they can trust with products that make them feel good, right? We talk about fueling people's missions we're not just talking about elite athletes. You know, we've been testing with Olympians and the top pros in the world and world champions and things like that. But, you know, we want to fuel the missions of people just trying to crush some really gnarly goals, helping them fuel. You know, I think one of the one of the big opportunities we saw coming into this space was people don't know how to fuel. That was Adam Milonis. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today on the podcast, I sync up with chef, food innovator, and Ironman triathlete Adam Malonis, founder of Fast Food and Chew, a world-renowned food innovation lab. Adam and I caught up a few weeks before he competed in Ironman Lake Placid and just after I finished Ironman 70.3 Muscle Man. So we're definitely getting into the weeds here on Triathlon Talk. But we also talk about Adam's newest innovation, Fast Food, a high-performance fuel and nutrition company with products that deliver consistent energy from real food. Adam talks about the signature game-changing ingredient and proprietary optimal energy release system from fast food's unique blend of three carbs, galactose for steady energy and recovery, glucose for quick energy, and fructose for steady energy and fluid absorption. Fast Food has several really awesome products, which we talk about, from their Galacto Gels in four flavors, the Galacto Gummy in three flavors, and the Hydrator in three flavors, which also, in addition to hydration, has carbs. Get ready for a super fun, educational, eye-opening conversation with Adam Malonis. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple. It's easy. Head over to your app, click on the Marnie on the Move podcast, Click on the five stars and click on the tiny letters that say leave a review and tell us what you love about the podcast. Also, feel free to share this conversation on your social channels. We're on LinkedIn, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Now, on to my conversation with Adam. I mean, in addition to triathlon, which is where we started this conversation, you also are in the business of high-performance sports nutrition with your new venture, Fast Food. So tell me a little bit about that and what inspired it and what it is and the different products that you're offering. Yeah, so you know my background is I'm a chef, um, but I've, uh, I've 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 got this other company called Chew. Uh, we've been developing consumer products for the last now ten years. We've done about four and a half thousand of them, um, and so you know the obviously the food space is 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 akin to who I am. Um, and then in the consumer goods space, that's obviously where we've, um, where we've specialized and, and we've got deep expertise. So, um, I think it was during COVID, yeah. I had two choices. Uh, the, the world had two choices. Let's say that, yeah. um, actually we had a lot of choices, but there was two, two in particular that I'm focusing on, which were, um, you could either drink a lot or you could work out like crazy. And uh, so we started, uh, my wife and I realized that we were somehow drinking a bottle of wine every night and, and, you know, waking up the next morning wasn't feeling so great. So that wasn't really the, the new lifestyle that, that I wanted yeah. and um, realized that, um, you know, 
I was somewhat um, seeking control, uh, or at least to, to try to control a certain aspect of my life in this world that felt, you know, a little little out of control at the time. Um, and so, you know, I'd been uh, riding, uh, uh, cycling for the last 20 years, um, you know, just for shits and giggles, never really racing, just kind of 100, so anywhere between 100 and 300 miles a week, just uh, kind of for fun, but yeah. um, never testing myself. And I'm a, a, I'm a guy that, uh, like many other people, have a really strong case of imposter syndrome. Mm. Um, so I, you know, I crave um, these opportunities where I can see uh, metrics and numbers and things that somewhere can't be refuted. And I saw this world of triathlon. I saw my very first Kona, I think, when I was eight years old. Uh, I'd asked myself as, you know, only an eight-year-old can, do I ever think I'd be hard enough to do one of those things because that looks hard? And I've never really answered that question. So um, the day I decided, let's do this thing, uh, called a mate of mine, um, uh, ended up getting a a coach, um, looked on the Ironman.com, tried to find the farthest Ironman out I could find, which was Cosumel, which gave me 11 months, I think, to train. And so signed up for that the very, the very same day, had my coach by the next day. Um, I think by the following week, I think my training volume was already hitting like 20 hours. Um, and yeah, that was, that was kind of the beginning of the journey and the reason. And so here's the kind of the catalyst of, uh, of fast food, but in order to fuel this very different kind of training, uh, I, I, you know, went onto the feed and Amazon and all this and ordered, you know, boxes and caddies of every different type of nutrition to say, well, you know, let's, you know, let's do this properly. Yeah. Um, cause I tried fueling with things like nut butters and that wasn't working. Right. Um, and so, uh, basically I was, I was pretty mortified. I was pretty yeah. mortified that the options that I had made me feel like shit. Yeah. Uh, made me perform terribly. Um, when you you turn those packets around uh, uh, with the you know the the eye and the mind of a chef, I, I was shocked in this market filled with athletes and people trying to do better for themselves that they were faced with um, as, uh, limitless options of artificial ingredients. Um, you know, and 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 so the the ingredient side was terrible. The taste side was horrific. Um, the whole experience, so the 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 texture, the fact that you need to you know, take one of these like pasty gels and then wash it down with some water that you couldn't just take the gel by itself. Um, the gummies were almost, uh, you know, gave me a, a jaw like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just said, like, imagine if, imagine if the mind of a chef and the the, the excellence of scientists. Um, and so I went to the team and I said, first and foremost, um, I want to create the highest performance uh, fueling products that we could possibly create, right? which by the way, happened to be made of all real food, which is a super important distinction yes. because a lot of people call bull- bullshit and they say, well, there are a lot of natural products on the market. Yeah, there mm-hmm. are, but those are sold on the fact that they're natural and, and fueling then is, uh, sorry, excellence in fueling is, is, is really a backseat. Yes. It's buy me because I'm natural, not buy me because I'm the highest performance fuel. So I said it's it's beyond reproach. It's fueling excellence or it's nothing. Yeah, I um, think because, you know, like when you think about that and I've had, I've, you know, I have a sensitive gut, right? So I've been through many different products. And, you know, when I started in this sport 10 years ago, I was fueling with honey and doing Olympic distance races. But when you get to the Ironman distance, like honey is not going to cut it. And I don't care what anyone says. You get like you need either you need substantial high quality food and you need to get it right with your gut and I think that a lot of people want to do that but it just doesn't really exist so people end up eating crap on for you know however many hours it is yeah and, and and so that was you know also one of those other irritations was the spiking and crashing yeah right that everyone is on this like roller coaster um, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big guy, right? I'm six foot five. So I, I've, you know, I, I take in about 125, 130 grams of carbs an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and over a, you know, nine and a half hour, uh, Ironman, you know, that, that's, a lot. That, that's, that's a lot, that's a lot of carbohydrates. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to make sure that I had something that wasn't kind of predicated on this particular curve. Mm-hmm. I wanted something that would spike quickly, but then maintain a high baseline. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was three years ago. Um, we've been, uh, we developed for about two and a half years. Uh, we co-created with, uh, some of the world's top athletes, uh, hundreds of them actually, 
um, for the last, uh, you know, of the of the of the three years, sorry, uh, at least eighteen months of that. And now we've got you know hundreds of pros who are using um, in a in a in a number of different sports who are using fast food now who are pushing numbers they've never seen before. Speed, um, you know, everyone keeps on saying to us, we just feel fueled, um, and that basically it's their muscles that give up um, yeah. before before their energy system. Um, that they don't have to train their gut. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I came into this space and I said, how crazy that people have to train their gut to take in this stuff. And I said, it was one of the other things yeah. I said to the team, I don't want people to train their gut. I want people to be able to, from the jump, be able to fuel themselves the way that they need to fuel themselves without the, you know, I, one of the other things before I uh, yeah. take a breath is um, um, I was pretty shocked that the metric of success for what's what's typically considered to be a good fueling strategy or good fueling plan mm -hmm. is the absence of negatives, right? Everyone I'm talking to was telling me, well, you know, if I didn't vomit or shit myself, <laughs> then then it, then it was a great plan. And I said, <laughs> totally. how is that the metric? Because in the rest of food, in the rest of the food world, it's not, well, if I didn't get poisoned, yeah. then I'm, I, I'm okay, right? No. <laughs> that's the expectation yeah the, the the exception should be something catastrophic happened and that happened and people should say oh my god i've never heard of that but instead in this world in the wild west apparently yeah. that's the that, that's somewhere the standard yeah i mean i know a lot of my listeners are triathletes and i am a triathlete right as we established and i've been through that like you know, and even this weekend, because, you know, also during the pandemic, you know, we all kind of like detrained, let's say, and mm. maybe our mm. gut changed, maybe our diets changed, you know, and everybody gets older. So all those factors are affecting how you digest food, right? And so what worked maybe before that didn't work after. And also people wanted to get healthier during the pandemic and nobody wanted to settle for crap and garbage anymore because mm. we, you know, mm. as a society came to this realization that we needed to be healthy to stay away from the pandemic and so I think mm. you know for me even you know during like I just mess up my nutrition on the bike because I don't know what's right anymore you know like and I interview so yeah. many people but like I just I haven't really been doing any nutrition on the bike like I eat mm. I found one thing that doesn't upset my stomach, but I'm not going to mention it. But I think that, like, you know, I didn't do that during the race. I decided to add a protein yeah. bar to the mix. Like, why would I do that? Who eats protein bars anymore <laughs> on a bike before a run? Nobody. But I just Nobody. thought it was like an, it's like an antiquated <laughs> concept. Anyway, I completely bonked on the bike. But I, I made it to the run, and then I was like, I recovered. But it was like a slow day. But, you know, what? so, I mean wow. – I feel like your products are like really game changing because it's like, what's going to take it to the next level? Hmm. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. And, 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 and look, listen, the, um, again, we, we, we love data, right? We've got, uh, you know, one of, one of our pros, uh, he definitely has had some struggles with, um, he's a Uber, Uber swimmer, Uber biker. Yeah. Um, but always had some struggles with the run. Um, uh, Jesper Svensson, so he ended up going uh, fifth in Hamburg, uh, ended up doing a 736. Um, uh, you know, he attributes a, a lot of, um, you know, being able to really put together these complete races uh, on the fact that he's been on fast food for the last six months. Mm -hmm. He did his uh, best effort, uh, best average 12-minute test on the bike. Um, I think it was two months ago. Uh, and he ended up at something ridiculous, like 468 watts for 12 minutes average, um, and uh, the all fueled by fast food. So um, again, yeah, we, we're just we're, we're performance first, uh, real food second, but both of which are equally important. Shout out to our sponsors at Cured Nutrition. Cured Nutrition is Colorado's premium provider of cannabinoid, functional mushroom, and adaptogen products. We all know that a complete night of sleep is essential when we're working towards optimizing our wellness and general well-being. Cured's Sleep Bundle, which combines their best-selling Zen and most potent CBN, is the answer to guaranteeing you get that full night of sleep every night. 
Zen is a blend of functional mushrooms, adaptogens, and full-spectrum cannabinoids. The CBN extract is a lesser-known cannabinoid found in the hemp plant. These supplements were designed to support the two most critical stages of your body's natural sleep cycle, REM sleep and non-REM deep sleep. Cured's raw CBN oil contains 30 milligrams of CBD and 5 milligrams of CBN. Together, the CBD and CBN create a synergistic whole body effect. When it starts to kick in, you'll notice every inch of your body starts to soften into a deeper state of relaxation, as if you're laying beneath the comfort of a weighted blanket. Once you're asleep, Zen is there to ensure that your body is successfully cycling out of non-REM deep sleep into REM and back again. Some people can't fall asleep. Others can't stay asleep. And then there are those that fall asleep and stay asleep, but still struggle to spend enough time in each sleep stage. No matter what it is keeping you from true rest and restoration, this sleep bundle is your solution. Personally, I have problems falling asleep. And when I started using Cured a few months ago, the products have really helped me wind down and ease into the sleep zone. I also love their pet CBD treats. Another thing keeping me awake, the dogs. Right now, Cured is extending an exclusive offer to you, my listeners. You can grab Zen and CBN in the sleep bundle for an extra 20% off of Cured's already discounted pricing by visiting curednutrition.com slash Marnie and using the coupon code Marnie at checkout. Again, that's C-U-R-E-D nutrition.com slash Marnie, M-A-R-N-I, and coupon code Marnie at checkout to save an extra 20% off. Improve your sleep, improve your life. And you have, so you have a hydration mix, you have a gel, and you have a chew, correct? So we've got three, three gels three gummies and three different uh, uh, hydrators, uh, we call them. So the hydrator is basically everything that we've got is really, except for the hydrator, so on the gels and the gummies, think of those as kind of two um, two versions of, of something very similar. So mm -hmm. in order to help with people's calculations that they don't need to bring uh, either a PhD <laughs> or a, a calculator out on course, um, they're, all, they're all standardized to uh, 25 grams of carbohydrates per serve. Yeah. Um, I digress, but one of the one of the other um, strange things that I see on course, uh, uh, including people like me, um, in the early days, was uh, uh, bringing salt tablets in a Ziploc bag, um, which is uh, good in theory uh, at the beginning of the race. But towards the end of the race, uh, it's it's almost like you're a junkie scooping out uh, salt yeah. and, and like the the gel caps. It's horrible. Um, and so all of our products are standardized with 200 milligrams of sodium per um, per serve. Um, so therefore, most uh, most people then don't have to supplement with any um, any sodium. Okay. Um, so 25 grams carbs, um, sodium. One thing we didn't mention is the makeup of the carbs. Um, so we're the only one in the space utilizing a carbohydrate called galactose. Yes. Um, so galactose is pretty extraordinary. So what galactose does, it goes into the uh, liver, and it, uh, it goes in as um, and produces uh, uh, as fresh glycogen. And then the liver is the thing metering it out, which is the thing that keeps this really stable uh, blood sugar. Um, and so we've got glucose number one, which helps you know spike relatively quickly. Galactose number two, which is really kind of the middle, and then uh, fructose, which is the end. And so uh, again, 25 grams carbs, 200 milligrams of uh, sodium, and one of the products with 50 milligrams of uh, caffeine uh, per serve. Then the hydrator is 25 grams of carbs, a uh, thousand milligrams of electrolytes. Uh, 380 milligrams of those are sodium. Okay. Um, the rest is made up of potassium, uh, magnesium, uh, zinc, uh, chloride. Actually, chloride is number one. Yeah. Um, and all those things are helping you hydrate in that in that uh, in that moment in that race in that training. I know that you're a chef and you've been worked in restaurants around the globe. How did you come to find and discover that this ingredient would be like the missing link to having healthy and high performance fuel. Yeah. And so that was, that was really a science team. Um, so when I gave them the challenge, I said, I don't want this roller coaster. I, frankly, I, I said, uh, show me the there there on this 0.8 to one ratio that the rest of the industry touts the fructose to glucose ratio. Mm -hmm. Um, I said, show me, show me the literature, show me the, the, you know, the, the, anything that shows me that that's exactly 
um, the ratio that we should be uh, uh, following. What came back was was very very thin uh, uh, to be to be generous. Yeah. Um, so I said, if if not that, then what? I said because I don't want this crash. So how do we mitigate the crash? Um, they then started uh, on all the research around Galactose. Um, we've then got a patent pending on our uh, process. So we are actually, we're an ingredient producer as well. So we produce that as an ingredient ourselves right. Okay. Um, in which we, we've got a patent pending on that. Um, then we apply that. Um, so we went down the po- path of most resistance. This is not how you start a company right. <laughs> with so much complication. Um, but uh, like most uh, sick entrepreneurs, I figured if no one else is going to do it, we better get it done. So um basically created the ingredient, then deployed the ingredient. And then we work with some of the top um, scientists and academics around the world on the research of um, this particular carbohydrate that's application within and relevance within sport. So is it a form of lactose? So basically it's a, uh, let's say it's a, not really a derivative, but basically lactose, what lactose is, is a disaccharide. So there's two molecules stuck together. Mm-hmm. The reason the reason why people, including myself, are lactose either sensitive, which I am, or lactose yeah. intolerant, um, is the fact that um, people don't either produce enough or, or really any uh, lactase, which is an enzyme uh, that is naturally occurring. And all that all that enzyme does is really split those two molecules into two. Okay. And those two molecules are glucose and galactose. And so galactose by itself has no known allergens, um, no no uh, you know levels of intolerance or anything like that. Neither does glucose because it's in everything. Um, so that's a process. Um, so we apply uh, a natural uh, enzyme to that as well. So it's that's called a, a process called hydrolysis. Okay. Um, so we effectively we will treat that with this natural uh, enzyme split those two molecules so now you've got free galactose free glucose um and so that's that's how you get it and then you've got the benefit of all of the other incredible uh minerals that come along with um with that as well so people who are because it does have the word lactose in it so people are and it's if you google if you look it up google it if you look it up you see that but so no worries like people don't need to think that they're going to have like any issues if they have dairy issues that's good to know so we we're 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 a true zero so something like um lactate you familiar with that milk uh, lactate yeah um they've they've got a very similar process but ours ours we've reached a level of efficiency which is where the pattern is um but um, I think they're by the FDA. They're allowed uh, anyone who claims uh, lactose free is allowed up to two percent lactose. Okay. Um, we've gone the we've gone the extra step to make sure ours is is zero. Um, uh, so therefore, that's what <laughs> there's extra time, there's extra effort that's involved in that. Um, but selfishly, again, we we come back to me. Yeah. Um, but selfishly, I I didn't want any intolerances. I didn't want anything because you know the stuff that we do is hard enough. Um, without uh, having any of those uh, challenges as well. Shout out to our sponsors at Delta G. Delta G is the pioneer of the Oxford ketone ester and revolutionary exogenous ketones company being used by world champion Ironman, Tour de France, Formula One athletes, Olympians, recreational athletes, and longevity-seeking, wellness-savvy individuals looking to optimize athletic performance and everyday health. I have been adding Delta G exogenous ketones to my morning coffee, using it for athletic recovery after hard workouts and in training daily. Ketones are nature's super fuel. When the body is pushed to its limits, we convert stored body fat into ketones for energy that help fuel the brain and the body. Delta G delivers that exact ketone produced naturally in the body, called DBHB. With Delta G, you can achieve high levels of circulating blood ketones known as ketosis safely and immediately without having to fast to get to that level. Beyond boosting energy levels and performance, exogenous ketones improve mental clarity, combat brain fog, and metabolic health, and serve as a fourth macronutrient and fuel for your brain, so you don't exclusively need to use glucose. Delta G was created through a collaboration between the University of Oxford and NIH, with funding from the Department of Defense in 2003 as a way to provide efficient fuel 
for warfighters. Just two years ago, Delta G became available to the public. Throughout the years, researchers have been able to utilize this technology in various studies, amounting to over 55 published Delta G studies, with 25 more ongoing. It's time to take your health and athletic performance to the next level. Head over to Delta G Ketones and use our code MARNIE20. Now, back to our conversation. Now, you have a strategic advantage, right? Because you are also, as you mentioned when we first started talking, the founder of Chew, which is a world-renowned food innovation lab. When did you launch Chew? Yeah, Chew Chew is uh, 10 years old. What kind of innovations did you work on? I know it's a big CPG lab working with products and other brands, not your own products. So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, um, so we're in the in the consumer goods industry. So we've uh, you know all sorts of snack foods, beverages. Um, obviously, a bit of a cliche these days, but we're in uh, quite heavily into the plant based meat analog space now. Um, we're into the alternative protein space, so we're very much upstream in technology, mm-hmm. uh, and then the application of that technology in products. Um, so we've done about four and a half thousand consumer products in the last ten years um, oh, wow. across twenty five categories. We've generated about. I think it's about six, six to eight billion dollars uh, worth of um, value from the work that we've done. Um, so, and, and I think you you touched on it. That's why we are um, somewhat, I would say, very much uh, uniquely positioned in this sports fueling space. Where uh, honestly, it sounds like the beginning of a, of a strange joke. Where you talk about uh, you know chef, scientist, um, consumer goods, and then you start talking about sports fueling. Yeah. Um, that, uh, you know, as my uh, coach always tells me, there's no one in the world that's um, uh, probably better positioned to do something that is made from real food that's all about high performance than a chef who's got a, a, a consumer goods uh, company um, who also happens to be a hobby uh, uh, age group uh, triathlete. And so we've approached this like food, which is not remarkable for us, but remarkable according to the, the, the current standards. Um, and expected more of, of this category. And, and, and frankly, uh, myself and, and everyone associated are heavy consumers of fast food. Mm-hmm. My consumption on a weekly basis is off the charts. Um, I mean, I did, a, I did a, I think it was a six-hour ride, six-hour ride, uh, I think it was uh, last week, and I, I calculated I, I consumed 700, 700 grams of carbs. Okay. Um, and that's, that's, just a, that's just a training ride. So... The, yeah, we're, we're heavy consumers and believers. Cycling came first for you. Is that, that's what you were saying before. And then you got into triathlon just a couple of years ago. So where did your journey into being a cyclist begin? Like, Look, uh, for me, I mean, I, I, I love – who doesn't love riding a bike, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they, I, I always tell even my children that it's the ultimate freedom when you get those training wheels off and you realize that you've got these two wheels and all you've got – and your legs can get you anywhere. Um, it's pretty liberating. And so the fact that I was um, – I, I had restaurants in five countries around the world and uh, I can tell you some of my fondest memories cycling. Um, strangely, I was, I was living in uh, Shanghai um, and we used to – because those streets are just stupid – um, so jammed full of traffic all seemingly all the time, except, uh, a couple of mates and I, we used to go out at, uh, at midnight. Um, and so the streets were virtually empty. Um, and so you, you really kind of had your run of it. And, and frankly, those are some of my most joyful memories of cycling where, uh, you know, you're, you're only by, you know, the, the, the headlight on the front, these open streets that are normally just hectic and crowded. Uh, and it real it makes you realize, and, and I think in, in triathlon we need to continually remind ourselves, me especially, that cycling is fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be that thing that's always you know you're pushing power and numbers, all these things that we're so you know super focused on. That ultimately, you know, cycling is just a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. So, so what is your like? Do you have a style of cuisine that you were cooking or? Yeah. It's called the the media coined the term, and it's kind of the only one that's now descriptive. But it's called molecular gastronomy. So oh, okay. I used to do you know thirty two course tasting menus. It was um, you know the creation of technology, uh, the creation of uh, uh, techniques, etc., and then using those to essentially I'm a storyteller, right? Yeah. I, 30, 30, think of it as thirty two chapters versus thirty two courses. I'm going to tell you a story of uh, you know something that was was in my head. Um, and, uh, you know, at that time it was a brigade of, you know, up to 50 chefs to feed, uh, 
you know, up to 60 people, uh, 32 courses. But it, yeah, it was it was very detail oriented. It was a very technology driven. Um, but but essentially, it was it was supposed to really tell just great stories. Did you have one restaurant that you had in Dubai, Shanghai, Spain, London, or was it you just were at different restaurants? D- d- just different different restaurants. So I was a chef partner of, uh, of of those around the world. Okay, cool. There was a molecular gastronomy restaurant in New York City when that first came onto the forefront. I remember, like probably tw- in the East Village, like fifteen twenty years. Yeah, ago. that's uh. It's an old old mate of mine, uh, Wiley Dufresne, WD50. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, I remember that restaurant. Yeah. It was very cool. Yeah, good. Very next level. Great guy. So are you are you still cooking at home? Like, or is that like a passion of yours? Or are you? I mean, look, I I love to cook. Um, uh, I call myself a recovering chef. You know, I've got uh, I got I got a, I got three companies. I got three kids, and I've got a, a sport that requires uh, to have three activity, three three different sports. Yeah. Um. So life, uh, life is definitely a little uh, chaotic. Um. So I don't cook as much as I want to. I still yeah. love it. I adore the world. It, the restaurants and food run through my veins. I it's it's in my DNA. Um, but unfortunately, when you don't have time, yeah, uh, it's the last, cooking the feels like a, like a chore. Yeah. 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 And I see you have a lot of books behind you. Is that a background or are those all your books? <laughs> no, 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 this is, these are, these are some, some of, uh, you know, as, uh, chefs are like bowerbirds, we collect, um, uh, books and, and, you know, I'm, I'm from the era, uh, which was, uh, pre, uh, Google and, you know, it really was all about as a chef, it was all about, the, you know, getting the next latest and greatest chef's book, yep. understanding, you know, how do they see the world? What, what's the story they're trying to tell? Um, and uh, that's really kind of carried through uh, uh, really up until now. I still adore uh, understanding, seeing the world through through different chef's, uh, chef's eyes. Do you have like a couple of go-to cookbooks that you love that are sort of like ones that you go back to every now and then for inspiration? Um. <sighs> Not, not really. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, I've never, except for when I was, you know, I, I started cooking at home for the family when I was, I think it was eight or, or approaching nine. Um, back in those days, I used to, uh, it was called the Woman's Weekly. Uh, it was a series of cookbooks. Um, I used to cook from those. I'll, I'll tell you, I've, I've ne- since then, since I was a kid, I've, I've never cooked from a cookbook. Yeah. Um, again, I used them more for storytelling. I used them more for um the privilege to see the world through someone else's eyes right like anthony um, bourdain so, or someone like that no doubt yeah. And, yeah and and you know obviously as cuisines develop you know nordic cuisine right now is still uh going crazy um so really kind of seeing how they're evolving um the the, the different perspectives so for me uh i frankly i rarely go back to them you know i, yeah. I will read them cover to cover um but I, I, I rarely go back to them. But just just by seeing them, it kind of jogs my memory of, of of what I what I kind of read in those in those pages. So yeah. Do you have any favorite spots in Boston that you go to frequently? I mean, look. Let's say Boston is definitely developing. Uh, when I first came here twelve years ago, I was coming here from Madrid, right? Okay. And during yeah. that period of time, uh, you know, Spain was uh, tip of the spear for for, for a number of years. Um, I had the uh, pleasure of working with Ferran Adria at El Bui for, uh, for about seven years. So I was running one of the labs of the group. Um, and so uh, to come to Boston at that uh, particular juncture was, uh, was a, bit of a uh, bit of a transition. Yeah, um, you're being polite. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. you, know, I, you, you mentioned you know, Ken's place. I, I yeah. love, uh, love Toro. Uh, Ken and uh, Jamie uh, opened up this place called Little Donkey. Also really great. Um, super casual, kind of that same that same line, that same theme. You know, I love that style of eating. Um, a lot of really good uh, uh, sushi places. Strangely, opening up in Boston now. OER is obviously uh, pretty is renowned around the country. Blue Ribbon Sushi just opened up uh, actually two blocks from here. I've, um, I've I've used that a little too often. Um, but uh, yeah, listen, there's the the quality is always going up. There's a lot more choices than there ever used to be. So I'm I'm very encouraged with what's happening in Boston. And now, are you feeling like your your skills as a chef and your time in the restaurant industry have are still keeping you like that creativity that you got from that to be with Chew and now to be mm. doing fast food? Like, do you feel like it all flows together? Yeah, look, I mean, I'm 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 a man of I've lived many very different lives. You know, every time uh, I think I, if I explain my kind of background to people, they're like, like, 
is this just one person? Um, I love the collection of these, you know, these different experiences and all of those things. And I think it, um, it just deepens and broadens kind of what we're, what I and, and we are able to apply to the things that we do. So, um, you, being a chef, it's, it's, you know, it's something you kind of always are. I always, always say I'm a recovering yeah. chef, but it's, it's always in you. Um, that attention to detail, that, uh, expectation of yourself, that pursuit of excellence, all of those things. Um, and, and I think that, um, really positively impacts me and, you know, both chew and also fast food, uh, um, and, and frankly, you know, even even the lessons, the great lessons that I've been taught in the world of triathlon, you know, those um, carry through uh, the businesses. Those, you know, I, I I hope it makes me even a better father and hopefully a better husband uh, when I'm present. But what are some lessons that you take like from triathlon to business, like a big one? Yeah, the 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 biggest of all of them is just one foot in front of the other. Yeah, you know, for me that's so powerful because. Um, you know, sometimes things get so dramatic and, and, you know, as I say things, uh, you know, people often are the people are the drama in the things. Right. Um, and so, you know, as you, when you're in some of those gnarly races and, you know, I, I think, as I mentioned to you, uh, I did the, the world championships in St. George and frankly, I was just a cliche. I blew myself up on the bike uh, to such a level that the only way that I was able to get through the second climb in Snow Canyon and down back to T2 mm -hmm. um, was convincing myself, to, promising myself that if I got back, I could just rack the bike and walk away. Yeah. Um, and I, I did not want to do it. And so, was, but I, I knew as soon as I got there, of course, I'm not uh, DNFing that thing. And so I keep on saying, you know, first one foot in front of the other, but, um, I, I said to my kids after that one, I said, even when you think you're done, you still got a marathon in you, yeah. um, which is, you know, which is a, somewhere of an important lesson when, you know, it's the same kind of David Goggins thing that you've, you, when you think you're done, you got 40% left, um, yeah. things like that. So the one foot in front of the other uh, is important because that's the only way, you know, you just can continue muscling through some of these things. Yeah. I mean, it just feels like everything is coming to an end, but it's, that's just your perspective. Like you still have 40% left. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Do you, have you read any great like business books that you might want to share like that are just, you know, yeah, recently? So many. Uh, I mean, I, uh, this imposter syndrome thing, right? So I obsessively crush books. Uh, I, I do audible and, and like one, one time, 1 1.7 times speed to try to maniacally get through them. But I'm on like four or five a month. Um, uh, most of them very unentertaining, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I can tell you uh, maybe a couple. Um, one which is called, uh, uh, it's probably from about a year ago I read it, I think. It's called Range. Okay. Um, and it's a really, really great one only because it's the it really uh, picks through the difference between specialists and generalists. And, you know, I used to almost excuse the fact that I've done so many things and I'm so broad and, um, you know, I, I used to somewhere try to excuse that. But actually, there's some power in being a generalist uh, and being able to, you know, draw upon the, the intelligence of, of specialists as well. And the other one is um, Extreme Ownership from uh, Jocko, uh, which, again, I feel like he speaks to my soul most of the time. But um, that, that one is a good one. And the last one, actually, I'll say I said two, but I'll give you three. The last one is uh, You Can't Hurt Me. Uh, that's not really a not really a business one, um, but You Can't Hurt Me by Goggins. I've probably read that one four times. Yeah. Um, I've got to read his book. My partner read it and she loved it. The, se the second one? Yeah. Normally, second ones aren't as good. The second one, I'd say, arguably, is probably even better. Wow. Um, okay. I'm going to read it. The, actually, one, one more. Legacy. It's the book that I've bought most of. I think I'm the, the largest purchaser anywhere in the world. Uh, I give it to everybody. Um, it's a guy from a guy called James Kerr. He uh, juxtaposes the, which also hurts my soul because it's New Zealand, but he takes the New Zealand All Blacks, which are the winning most team in the world mm -hmm. uh, of any sport, and he juxtaposes that with business lessons of things like, you know, leaving, uh, the, the way you leave the locker room, the way you leave your jersey, how that all of those Ooh, things relate awesome. to the business world. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty killer. That's a great book. I'm so psyched to order some books. <laughs> 
your next race is Lake Placid. I'm also a triathlete, and I'm currently suffering from a, a race this past weekend. So, oh, uh, which uh, which one did you do? I did Muscle Man seventy point three, and ah, uh, yeah, my, uh, my my training partner also jumped in that. What did he say about the run, or she? Sorry, yeah. Yeah, no, he uh, he's he, he had a terrible race, frankly. <laughs> Something yeah. that uh, was definitely different than his expectations going in. He just he, he just didn't come together for him on the day, but um, he just said it was a, it was a hard day out. Yeah, just keep know. it keep it social. Yeah. So your <laughs> your training partner was there too. Yeah. 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 It's so easy. I got uh, I got I got placid uh, next weekend. Oh, you're doing placid. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I was going to go cover it. So I also, you know, I do the podcast and then one of the things I do with the podcast is I'll go to live events where there are going to be pros. Like mm. I think Tim O'Donnell is going to be there. Um, yeah, I, I think so. He was also just announced for uh, PTO. But um, so my mate, uh, Joe Skipper, I ended up. Right. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. So that's in, that's going to be in August. Oh, okay. Um, so Joe, Joe's a good mate of mine. Joe, I convinced him to jump into this one. Uh uh, Matt Hansen, uh, Cody Beals. So is, is, is a, it's going to be a decent, uh, it's going to be, they're going to, they're going to go out and smash it. So it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I was, I was going to go, I was going to cover it. It's a great, great race last, last year. So I raced the last year as well. And I yeah. ended up fourth. Um, it, it was brutal. It, I mean, the temperature is brutal. The course is brutal. So it's so brutal that I wanted to go back yeah. actually, cause it was, uh, Besides, uh, you mentioned uh, my my nemesis, uh, the the world championships in uh, Utah. Yeah, that was the toughest day I've I think I've ever had. Oh, you were there. Um, just, yeah, yeah. It was just it was just brutal. That was a hard day. In the be- in the in the best kind of way because uh, I think it showed me who I was. Yeah. <laughs> in in some some good and bad ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what's, that's you know I, I love I love these things for a test. What's the most challenging thing for you? When it comes to triathlon, I mean, I, I don't want to sound like a cliche, but you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super focused on working on uh, weaknesses. I, I'm, I'm adamant to continue searching for these weaknesses. So mm-hmm. I think over, over the last few years, I've, um, you know, <laughs> it's a cliche, but typically the, um, the swim was probably the, the one that was trailing. Yeah. Um, I, I so I went from what I used to uh, lovingly refer to as a controlled drowning to, you know, I'm back of back of back of front pack now. Um, so you know, it's it's come a long way. So you know that, that as as you know, the only way to get better at swimming is to swim more. Yeah. Um, so I've been swimming more. Uh, the bike was somewhat always strong. Um, I've been doing it for probably twenty years. Yeah. Uh, run again. It was not pretty it was not where it needed to be so i've been working a lot for years on run mechanics and efficiency and all of that so i'm you know i, I just went out and did my first open uh, marathon i was on track for a, a, a like 250 248 wow that's great. um until i tore i tore my hamstring at two hours um oh. so i kind of dragged it dragged it home for a 306 with a with a torn hamstring so um you know these things are all they're, they're all definitely improving so um yeah, I mean, I'm I love love training, so that's not a that's not for me. That's not a bad thing. I love it. I love the volume. I'm averaging 20, 20, 20 to twenty four hours a week ish. Yeah. Uh, Pre Ironman, it gets up to close to thirty. Um, yeah, I, lo- I love it. How did you go from controlled drowning to back of front pack? I'm just curious because that's me. I'm still controlled drowning. Yeah, look, a lot of lot of work, you know. And now I'm and, and just to just to put numbers to I'm, I'm very much yeah. a numbers guy, but um, to put some numbers to it, you know, when I very first started this, you know, I was banging out like sessions of, you know, 2000 you know, 2 kilometer sessions and I was probably averaging like 204 per 100. Okay. Um now, you know, now my average session is call it 5000 is an average session. My average uh, per hundred is like one eighteen, one nineteen. Wow, one twenty. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm happy with the improvement, but you know, lots of one on one time, lots of one on one sessions, lots of um, drills. Yeah. <laughs> um, and look, just learning. I, I, I guess one of the biggest fundamental shifts was uh, was mental. Yeah. I used to think that I used to feel like someone was doing something to me. Yeah. Like I had to do it. I was told to do it, right? Yeah, that, I mean, that might be true. 
but it's me that's that's getting me through it right and when you yeah. you it's somewhere like an empowering kind of thought um and i i so, and, and so fast forward like even uh, yesterday i i had the privilege to be able to do uh, a five thousand session in open water yesterday morning got in the water at five at five a.m um got to see the sunrise while i was uh, swimming and frankly i was jacked for the rest of the day with that you know the, the all of the feeling of being out there um yeah. you know in in nature what you get to see you know the feel it just it, it again maybe maybe the shortcut that it goes from i do it because someone told me to do it and and i'm being inflicted with something to i want to do this that it's a privilege that i get to do this and i'm gonna you know i'm gonna make every i'm gonna try at least to make every stroke count that's awesome. I mean, I think that is it is a lot mindset. Like even for me, and I, I know there are a lot of nervous swimmers out there too, and a lot of people that can crush it in the pool. And then, you know, you're out in open water, and it's a totally different yep. sport. And I think like having some kind of mental perspective, whether it's like you have the mm. opportunity in this moment mm. to be here at a catered event where there's kayaks everywhere, and nothing is really mm. going to happen to you. And you can swim and enjoy it. You don't have to race it. Like, you know, swim from buoy to buoy or kayak to kayak. You know, that's at least that's what I do. But, you know, I think that that, you know, making those kind of improvements. And no matter, I mean, even the best athletes are always nervous on the swim. I've seen that every year. Doesn't matter like what level you are. Yeah. It's brutal, right? Kona Kona last year, it it was a dog fight. Yeah. For half half of the swim, it was I was there were elbows, punches, kicks, etc. All the way until the very first turn buoy. Yeah, halfway into the swim, and but again, you know, if you go into that race hoping you're not going to get punched, kicked, and elbowed, then you're going to be sadly mistaken. But if yeah. you go into that race saying, "Okay, great, like I'm going to take some shots," I might give some shots. Um, but it's going to happen and it's okay. Like, right. Like just be prepared for the worst push, and then like, push through it. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Expect it. So where are you based now? Cause I know you're from Australia, but where are you living these days? Yeah. I mean, I'm in, uh, I'm in Boston. Yeah. Uh, I actually left Australia when I was, um, when I was uh, eight, 18 going on 19. Yeah. Um, so I've lived in five other countries, but, uh, been, I've called Boston home for the last, uh, I think 12 years. Awesome. And I mean, and so, uh, where did you swim this morning? Uh, yesterday morning. Yesterday so I was morning. in uh, a place called um, uh, Walden uh, Pond. It's a favorite of uh, triathletes. So you can, each loop is about uh, 2,500 uh, per, per loop. Oh, wow. That's nice. I've not heard of that. I'll have to check it out next time I'm mm. in Boston. It's amazing. So what's your like go-to race breakfast and what's your go-to recovery meal? <laughs> so the race breakfast, I'm more proud of than the recovery meal. Okay. Um, but the, 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 race, the race breakfast is... Um, uh, it's these uh, pancakes made from uh, almond uh, flour, uh, and it's a giant serve with uh, a sliced banana, uh, scoop and scoop and scoop of, uh, of uh, peanut butter on the top with just doused in maple syrup. Um, I eat that one three hours before, uh, uh, yeah. Be- yeah, before gun goes off. Um, the recovery meal uh, is more like a gluttony meal. Um, I'm always dreaming, uh, about, um, you know, being Australian, I'm always dreaming about steak yeah. and I don't really eat red, red meat leading up to anywhere, anywhere close to training or racing. Um, so as soon as I'm done, we crush a giant ribeye, uh, or actually I, I don't eat as many bites as I want to, but, uh, yeah. but, uh, ribeye, red wine, uh, lots of potatoes, um, things like that. So, uh, yeah, meat, meat, meat and vegetables with lots of red wine. In terms of your mission and just all that you're doing, like you're you're on a mission to create healthier food, to create higher performance nutrition for athletes. What really inspired you to do this, like be part of this movement? Yeah, I mean, look, for, for me, anywhere, I, I, I like to enter any category that I feel like we can make impact. To be honest, this one was screaming out for help. There was too much pseudoscience. I, I always ask people uh, this one question. When you read or when you hear science-based, you know, what does it mean? Because when I, when I see that on some of these claims of science-based nutrition and things like that, 
science and based independently, those two words make sense, but you put them together. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we, we always say what we do has to be science fact, not science fiction. So we looked at this space. We looked at people's need for um, something and a brand that they can trust yeah. um, with products that make them feel good, right? We talk about fueling people's missions. We're not just talking about elite athletes. You know, we've been testing with Olympians and the top pros in the world and world champions and things like that. But, you know, we want to fuel the missions of people just trying to crush some really gnarly goals helping them fuel you know i think one of the one of the big opportunities we saw coming into this space was people don't know how to fuel really intelligent people you ask them how to fuel and i'll tell you honestly some of the dumb things that i've heard i you know when asking people how you know what's your fueling strategy and they're like well i take a sip one of these these guys he said i take a sip of um i take a sip of gel every hour and i'm like what is a sip like quantify a sip. Is that like a whole gel? Oh, no, 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 no. That's probably like half a gel and then I'll eat the other half later. I'm like, so you're getting 15 grams of carbs an hour? Yeah. Um, or people say, well, I have like one gel an hour. According to what? Or I, I have a gel when I'm hungry. Too late, right? Yeah. And so we looked at this and I said, wow, first of all, what an opportunity to be able to have people feel fueled, right? Yeah. And so we've got this whole thing. So in, in each and every one of the boxes that we send, it's like this how to fuel card. Because, you know, prior to now, I will tell you, like my experience and the experience that we've talked with with a number of other people of going into like cycling stores, running stores, whatever, it's frankly, it's akin to going into like a dispensary for your first time, right? Yeah. You, you're kind of nervous. You don't know the questions to ask. You're like, how should I be fueling? And they're like, well, we, you know, we've got this brand and we got that brand and like conflicting information. There's a lot of conflicting information. Yeah. So if we can get people to consume, let's say like a normal person can consume 50 to 75 grams of carbs an hour easily. The difference in what they feel is going to be a remarkable difference in which it's not their energy depleting. It's not their body giving up. They're able to do the thing that they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. then now they can start to eyeball you know prs and actually doing something where they don't feel like they're suffering in the race that they're doing or the training that they're doing so for us you know there's this this notion of doing good by doing good right our version of doing good is how do we help people make informed educated choices on how to fuel if they're fueling with our product amazing if they're fueling even with someone else's product at least they're going to feel something if they're feeling with ours, obviously the reason we did what we did was because, you know, obviously the all, the all natural, the highest performance we could possibly create, et cetera. You know, we believe very strongly as we should yeah. um, that they're going to feel even better. But if we can just educate people on how to fuel, that's a remarkable difference from where we are today. That's awesome. Well, this has been really great, Adam. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Of course. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out. <laughs>